Thank you, Lord, that your heart is, is to heal. And we believe today, as we stand in the gap for Cynthia, we believe in that restoration, healing. And, Father, we pray now blessings upon her and her family. Blessings galore. And, dear Lord, meet with her right where she is. And, Lord, well up in her heart the reality and awareness of your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Lord. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. We'll look at verses 24 through 27. And the question I'm going to ask you right to begin with, what do you want? What do you want? We all got wants, don't we? My mama would always tell me and my brother, said, you got too many wants. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> you got too many wants, boy. Uh, what do you want? As we look at this today, I think God is posing that question to each one of us. And you remember the story of Solomon? Remember, uh, the question was posed to Solomon. He said, tell me what you want, and I'll give it to you. God told him. And remember the answer that Solomon gave to that question, remember? It was an answer that pleased God because Solomon's answer was more focused on God's purposes than on Solomon's personal desires. Remember, Solomon asked for wisdom so that he could fulfill his calling as king and and, and he needed leader, uh, wisdom to give leadership to, um, to God's people. And I, I like the way he says it there in 1 Kings chapter 3. Is he said, uh, the people belong to God, not him. He says, this great people of yours, they're yours, God. You've got to take care of them. And it's the same way with us. You know, we sometimes get manipulating and we worry and fret and all that. Hey, they're God's children. We need to establish that right up front. They are God's children, and we get wrapped up in it. And it's not that we don't have bonds and ties with others, but they're God's responsibility, and we need to realize that. So real wisdom for any job God gives us proceeds from hearing the Lord and doing what he tells us to do. And so God was so pleased with Solomon's answer, remember? He made him a real rich man. Now, don't go out and say, okay, God, fulfill your purposes in me. I know this is what I want. And then somehow think, well, God's going to give me a whole bunch of other stuff. Now, many times he does, and he takes care of us way beyond what we would ever imagine. But our motive is not that. But the question is posed today when we think about it is, what is it that we really want here? And we need to realize how important it is to go back and reflect upon that when we dedicated our lives to the Lord, maybe when we were saved or we got baptized and gave our hearts to Jesus, and we need to go back to that. I've been talking a lot about the joy of the Lord because a lot of times when we stray away from the Lord, somehow that joy is missing out of our lives. And the Bible says real clearly the joy of the Lord is our strength. And we lose that spiritual strength, and sometimes obviously that transfers into the emotions and also the physical and we lose that. And so we've got to return to that. You, God will restore that joy. In Psalm 51, 
when David had sinned and he was coming before the Lord, he said this, Create in me a pure heart, a clean heart, O Lord, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Don't cast me from your presence or take thy Holy Spirit from me, but restore the joy of your salvation and even grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. He realized all of who he was was dependent upon God and the movement of God's spirit in his life. And so here, as we think about what really do we want, we need to obviously realize God gives us a free will. And every human being has that right. It's authorized by God and to make their own choices here. And different choices have different consequences, but we get to choose. And life, obviously, is a choice made up of many, many decisions. And life basically asks the question of us, what do you want? Remember the story of Cain in Genesis chapter 4? He and his brother Abel had brought their offerings to the Lord, and God's pleased with the offering Abel brought, but he didn't have respect for Cain's offering. Theologians argue over why this was done, and some say it was because Abel's was a uh, blood sacrifice and Cain's was not. Others say it was because of a heart attitude there that Cain had. And so Cain realized that God was not pleased with his offering, and he took offense of it. We've been talking about this. Many people, I believe, somehow have come into the church house, and they've taken an offense uh, uh, towards God. And they never have come back in the church. They never hear. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you can get saved outside of the church, but God has used the church, the people of God, of a place where people can come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And remember there exactly what happened. Cain did realize that God wasn't pleased. He got angry about it. And God met with Cain and presented him with a choice. He said, basically, is you need to obviously work through this bad attitude and make the right choice or it's going to lead to even more. Well, Cain decided what he wanted. And he wanted the offense more than he wanted the favor of God. And then, obviously, what happened was that he killed uh, Abel. Eventually, Cain did kill him. So Cain's behavior was a result of the choice that he made. He said, what do you want, Cain? You see, us, when we hold grudges, when we gossip, when we do things we know are not according to the word of God, we make a choice. And we know sometimes we slip into that. And yet God obviously uh, provides a way of confession before him and restoring that fellowship with him and Jesus and the spirit of the Lord. But many people today, they get stuck in that. And families are separated and families never speak to one another. They stay apart, and, and yet, you know, that person may have done you wrong, and, and they shouldn't have done that, and it was so hurtful and so forth. But when you don't take care of it, it drives a wedge in there. So what do you want? You want it the way God wants it, and the way the Word of God says it? Or do you want your way? You know, many sayings today is, uh, you know, even Whataburger, have it your own way. You know, have it whatever way you want. And so our society and culture has influenced the church and the people of God. He said, what do you want? You remember Abraham, obviously, his life along the same pattern here. 
he didn't necessarily ask what do you want here, but obviously God brought Abraham to a decision, and he said this. He said, get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land I'll show you in Genesis chapter 12. So here the essential question to Abraham was this. Abraham, do you want the comfort of the familiar, the security of your father's house, or do you want the adventure of living by faith in me? Do you want to, uh, to hunker down where you are, or do you want to step out with me into a land that I'll show you, and a land with, filled with, with riches and, and all and so forth? What do you want? And it's the same with us today. God pushes us. God challenges us with that question. What do you want? You want to stay in the boat or do you want to get out and walk on the water? What do you want? Faith moves the heart of God. Believing what God says. He never forsakes us. He, you know, we, we mess up. But when we walk by faith, we don't purposely do that and I don't say to do that. But I am saying this. is When you step out and you believe God, I believe God gives grace even when we stumble and fall. But faith pleases God. He doesn't want us to become passive. He doesn't want us to become apathetic. He doesn't want us to become laissez-faire and just sit back. He wants us to step out. We are a people of faith to believe Him for great and mighty things. And so we should think big and believe God for these things. As God has spoken, when His Word is spoken and we receive that Word, let me tell you, nothing is impossible with God. A great evangelist, Reinhard Bonnke, he's a German descent. He uh, had to make a choice one day. He was a missionary in Africa with very little evident fruit. And one day, he was in his office praying for provisions. He didn't want the money, or he didn't have the money to make his $50 rent payment. The rent was due, and in desperation, he was crying out to God for the money to pay the rent. And suddenly, God asked him a question. Reinhardt, do you want me to give you a million dollars? And the question startled Reinhardt. And he had been asking for $50, and now God was offering a million dollars. And how would you respond? Say, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, of course, Lord. Give me the million dollars, okay? But Reinhardt said something completely different. He said, Lord, I want to give you a... I want you to give me a million souls. And as estimates believe, and many believe, that actually a million people have come to Christ under Reinhardt's ministry there. So God gave me what he wanted. And I'm not saying that obviously all these things in the sense of the spiritual, although I believe the spiritual trumps all these other things that we see that we try to wrap our hearts around today because they don't last. But yet God is saying today to all of us, what do you want and the answer, I believe, reflects something about the condition of our heart. What is it that you want today? Do you want a rich, vibrant intimacy with Jesus Christ? Do you want to be more like Jesus today? Do you want, is your drive to do that? Or are we just trying to make ends meet? Are we just trying to get through life saying, I'm on this heavenly train, I know I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. And the question is posed to me and you, I believe on a regular basis, what is it that you want? God calls us and says, what do you want? What's the most important thing in your life here? You see, Moses faced the same question when he was about 40 years old. Up until that time, 
He had enjoyed the full privileges of being in Pharaoh's family. He was a prince in the most powerful kingdom in the world. And we'll read these verses here in verses 24 through 27 in Hebrews chapter 11. Listen to what he says. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a time. There are pleasures of sin for, the Bible, another translation says, for a season. There are pleasures in sin, but it comes to the end because the enemy has somehow ensnared you. He's put his hook in you, and you realize at some point that there's no more pleasure, and here come the consequences. Moses said, I don't want to enjoy those pleasures for it at the time. He said he esteemed the reproach of Christ as greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. He endured by looking to him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest the one who destroys the firstborn touch him. I'll go back to that verse here. He endured by looking to him who is invisible by faith. He saw him in his heart. He realized this was not the end. He realized just as Job did. He says, I, I, my Redeemer live, liveth, and one day he'll stand with, I'll stand with him here. He realized he was again pointing forward to the cross, knowing that God would supply. He had in his heart him who is invisible. Do we have that in our hearts? Do we see him who is invisible? God, you know, the word says that Blessed are those who've seen me, but really blessed are those who haven't seen me and have still believed. Do you have in your heart? Because you see, it's about seeing. It's about down in your heart. Is right now the temporary things of this world more pleasurable to you, to me, than the things of eternity and the things of God? He hits me with that question. What do you want, Jim? I'll give it to you. Your purpose is a condition of your heart in the right place here. Obviously, Moses, when he became of age, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He suffered because he saw him who was invisible here. He obviously had a place in Pharaoh's court, extremely wealthy at that particular time, certainly here. And so he made the decision there that he was going with God. And obviously, we know sometimes we think of it in Luke 14, Jesus said, and whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. We can't clutch on. We've got to hang on loosely. 38 Special, old classic rock group, says, hang on, Lucy. Hang on loosely to these things. Don't grip these. Don't hunker down. Walk with God. The cloud moves by day and the fire by night. We've got to be ready to move. What are the choices that we make every day? Because this life could be, could, could be called a journey. And I call it this journey called life. And so when we think about it today, every day is made up of a lot of times small choices, sometimes big choices, but they all add up on where our priority is. They all point back to the decision 
over time and continually a decision of what we want here. Now, if we motivated Moses' choice, Hebrews 11 says he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he looked to the reward. He had two. He thought about it. The reproach of Christ and all that goes with this are the treasures of Egypt and all that goes with this. Always when you see Egypt mentioned there, it was actually they were taken out of Egypt in bondage, but it refers to the flesh. You want the things that somehow um, titillate the flesh, or do you want the things of the Spirit? Where is our motivation? Where is our priority? Verse John chapter 2 says this, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, if any, man's love, if any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of this world here. The world passes away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. God is saying that he wants us to do the will of God. There in verse 27 in Hebrews 11, by faith he forsook Egypt not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. He, he had his eyes upon that invisible Christ there at that particular time. He realized God would provide a way out, a redemptive God. He knew that there. He saw him. And remember what happened to the apostle Paul on the road to Damascus? He got struck down. He saw the Lord. He'd been persecuting, killing Christians, persecuting, trying to destroy the church, and yet God struck him down there because he had a purpose for Paul. Obviously, I don't know any other way to get people to really serve God except to introduce them to Jesus. Not to a religion, not to a ritual, not to a bunch of rules and regulations, but introduce them to Jesus and so often, many times, I believe that even in the, in the church, they may introduce them to somehow how they do this and how they do that. And yet, God is saying, leave them alone. I want, him to, I want them to know my son, Jesus. The only way to serve him is to introduce them to Jesus. Jesus. And that's why we pray. And we will never get people to live holy lives by giving them, give them a bunch of a set of rules and regulations and demanding that they follow these rules. Legalism does not pr produce holy people. Legalism pr pr produces hypocrites. Look at how the Pharisees there of Jesus' day. And look at some of the holiest movements in, in, during, in the past century here. Even we see uh, uh, John Wesley, actually, the movement as he came across. He, he was someone that led, I believe, in a very... Uh, biblical uh, holiness movement at that time. You look through history, people, obviously the bars were emptied out. People came to church. The churches were packed out. There were, there were large gatherings of people to hear the word of God. He was, he was an itinerant pastor. He went on horseback, and they believe he rode more miles than anybody has ever ridden on horseback, preaching to everyone that, that would receive Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior. There was an awakening that took place. There was revival. And so this is what produces. It's partnering with the Holy Spirit of God and not trying to do this and do that. It's listening to the voice of God and then obeying Him fully. Not just partially, but obeying Him fully. And 1 John chapter 3 says, Beloved, now we are children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. 
But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Oh, I look forward to that. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Now we are children of God, obviously. Our good performance does not make us children of God. The Bible says ye must be born again. You must be born of the Spirit of God here. Being born of the Spirit makes us children of God and places us in the Spirit, the family of God. It's not about coming to church every Sunday, although that's great. You don't get saved from, by coming to church. You don't get saved by doing good works. You get saved by coming to Jesus. That's how you get saved. And God is saying, come to Jesus. What do you want? What is it you want? What's, what's on your heart today? There are a lot of needs in this place. There are needs in my life. I have needs. But what is the priority in my life? What do you want? He's looking. He's asking. Solomon answered it correctly. Now, he strayed off later on in life, but he began that journey with God by saying, hey, give me wisdom. There's no way that I'm able to lead these people, these great people of yours, the word says, these great people. But give me that wisdom. God said, you've answered correctly. Reinhardt said, give me, a, give me obviously a million souls. I want people to know Jesus. How burdened are you today for those who don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? If you don't have the burden, you can ask. It's not condemnation. God is saying, ask me. I'll give you a burden. What do you want? What is it? What's on your heart today when you come in here? In 1 John chapter 3, it says, And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. We cooperate with the work of the Holy Spirit, and, and we move with him. I want to tell you, if you want an explanation of what's going on in your life, I want to tell you, it's because God is making us more like Jesus. Every experience that you have in your life, good, bad, or indifferent, is to make us into the image of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 8 talks about it. He wants to make us more like Jesus, and through the thick and thin of life, he takes every circumstances, and somehow he builds it up, and he makes us like Jesus Christ here. Obviously, the question is, have you caught a glimpse of what he has in mind for you for all of eternity? Obviously, if you have, nobody will have to pound you with a Bible to get you to pursue holiness. If you have in your heart, you've seen him who is invisible in your heart, you won't have to be pounded to do this and that. You will obviously walk out and step out and do what God's called you to do. He will be priority in your life and in my life. And you get a glimpse of seeing him who is invisible because it's about seeing in your heart by something down deep within you saying, this is life. Jesus said, the words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. He wants us to have life. I want to tell you, our gathering here today or any other day is not about appeasing an angry God. It's not about doing enough nice things to get God to like us. Now, we, you who are children of God, he already loves us here. It's about seeing him, seeing him who is invisible. It's about focusing upon him. It's about getting into the word of God, meditating upon the word of God. It's about, obviously, getting around people shouldering with faith and getting your faith stirred and believing, and then you'll know what you want. You'll know. 
You see, I believe we live in a dry and desolate land because people obviously somehow are, are just starving for the word of God down deep in their heart. And I pray, let me tell you, I pray that every Sunday I preach before you because I'm accountable before God for what I preach to you today. That somehow through this, not what I say, but what the Spirit says through me to your hearts, and He can do anything He wants and say, but He is obviously the Holy Spirit of God. He will speak. And I want, obviously, your hearts to be somehow stirred to hunger more and more and more. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. Hungering and thirsting after righteousness down deep in our hearts today to where that drive and starving for His presence in our lives, being desperate there, just like what we see in people's lives that come to Jesus here. They're desperate. They realize they can't do it here. You want the world? It's vain and empty, worthless pursuit in the long run. Your life is more valuable than that. You're better than that. You want God. You want intimacy with God, power to do the works of God, wisdom from above. The choice means laying down some other things also. It means valuing things less than you then obviously you value the favor of God. It means turning loose of grudges and offenses. It means laying down your vain ambitions and silly pride. It means less TV and more of God. It means helping somebody else when you feel like you actually need to help more than they do. It means going to prayer meetings. It means studying the Word of God. It means choosing the reproach of Christ over the treasures of Egypt there. It means you don't have to depend upon other substances because you've learned to depend upon the Lord. It means you see and you keep seeing the coming of, of the bridegroom and you live for His appearing. It means you call on God and He's there. Do you have a vision for what He has for us? Let me tell you, we're the bride of Christ and He's getting us ready. He could come back. Are you ready? I believe we are in a preparation, preparation, preparation time. I believe today the question being posed, what do you want? Obviously, thinking about it, you know, whatever the cost, we will follow you, Lord. No turning back, no turning back. But it is what we want. And God always poses that question, doesn't he? What do you want? What is your main desire? I believe God is bringing us into a realm of time of his presence like we've never known before. You know, the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The glory of God, the manifest presence of, the, of God, he's here right now. The Obviously, the, the ultimate fulfillment, because I believe that we were made, we were born to walk in His glory every day, His glory. And I believe certainly there are levels of glory. And I believe that um, I've mentioned to you in times past that this old body cannot, and that's why we, we don't have this body when we go to heaven, because in the glory of God, it's going to be like nothing we've ever experienced for in all of our lives. I've always shared the story. When God baptized me as the Holy Spirit in 1985 of November, in our house in Pearland. I remember when the presence of the Lord came into that room like I've never, ever, ever experienced before in my life and touched me. I changed my life. I changed courses in life. I remember at that time, and I didn't know a lot about the Bible. I was beginning to study a little bit and 
Still, obviously, still, I, I need a lot to learn. There's so much. But the glory of God entered the room there in our living room. And, and the Lord, I lifted my hands before the Lord, and tears were running down my face because I realized at that point that if I had been the only sinner in this world, that Jesus still would have went to Calvary and died for me personally. If I had been one person, I knew that down deep in, his, in my heart experientially. And the glory of God came on me. And I remember thinking, because the presence of the Lord was so strong, I realized that if he kept it up, that this body would be torn to shreds. That this body, this human body, could not stand in the presence of his glory. All-out glory. I realized that. Didn't know a whole lot about biblical things and so forth. And beginning to learn. Raised in the church, but a lot of things weren't taught to me. The glory of God. That's what we're talking about here. We were born to be in his glory always. He's here right now. And God's glory, everything else is a shadow. You read about it. You sing about it. Pray about it. Asking God. Even Moses said, who had been there on uh, Mount Oreb, remember? And he'd gone up and he, he, had his, he was in the presence of the Lord and he had to come down with a bag over his head. Because the glory of God, he was, he, was, he was lit up. Remember, the people said, get away from us. You know, we, we can't, you know, can't stand. And remember there, he had the audacity later on to say, Lord, show me your glory. And God said, I'll show you my glory. I've got to put you down between a rock. can't see my front side, but you can only see. You can't see my face, but I'll pass by you. And he did. The glory of the Lord. We'll be in the glory one day. We'll have these bodies. Thank God. We'll be home. We will, we will see him as he is. But right now, what we're asking is that we need to be thankful. We need to praise him. I believe God is, is filling us up to a point where, you know, when I stop, and there's a reason why I ask for thanksgiving to begin with. Because we enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise, right? We enter into his presence with, these, with that, okay? And so God is saying today, he's going to fill us up with thanksgiving to where it won't be a sacrifice of praise. It will actually flow from our hearts. It will flow automatically. It will be like streams of living water. That thanksgiving before him, it will flow. Let me read to you Psalm 100 from the Passion Bible. And this Bible is a pretty accurate th translation. It's not a uh, paraphrase. But it is from the Hebrew, uh, actually from the Hebrew and the Greek. Listen to this. This is Psalm 100. Y'all know it from your own, work, your own Bibles. But this translation says, Lift up a great shout of joy to the Lord. Go ahead and do it. Everyone, everywhere. And as you serve Him, be glad and worship Him. Sing your way into His presence with joy. And realize what this really means. We have the privilege of worshiping the Lord our God. For he is our creator, and we belong to him. We are the people of his pleasure. You can pass through his open gates with the password of praise. Come right into his presence with thanksgiving. Come bring your thank offerings to him and affectionately bless his beautiful name. For the Lord is always good and ready to receive you. He's so loving that it will amaze you, so kind that it will astound you. And he is famous for his faithfulness towards all. Everyone knows our God can be trusted, for he keeps his promises to every generation. Amen? Amen. I believe the deeper that we go with the Lord, 
the more we will have to leave behind. And these things that right now are trivial in Christians' lives, they will automatically, they'll just fall off. It won't be like you're giving up something. I believe they will automatically, the things of the flesh and the things that obviously are carnal, those things are going to fall off because in the presence of the Lord, all else, and in the glory of God, everything else is obviously put, put way out of what God would desire, all right? Now, this is my opinion, so I'm going to suggest this to you. I follow some people that I believe prophetically uh, hear the Lord, and I take things and pray about it. Um, because I believe that we need to be accurate. But there's some things I can say I believe, my opinion. There are some prophetic words that have went out before Billy Graham died that actually said that once Billy Graham died, that there was going to be afterwards that the great harvest would begin. Billy Graham was used by the Lord. Many people came to the Lord through him. Prophetically, they believe that, that actually after when he passed, that we will see a great harvest that will begin, and he's passed. Look for it, be aware of it, and also be ready and get ready and be prepared. I'm going to read you one more thing from the Passion Bible, Ephesians, and I want to just talk about it just a second and we'll close. I shared this Wednesday night. Ephesians chapter 1, the whole chapter is awesome. You get into Ephesians, let me tell you, bless you. So, okay. Um, but I'm going to start here in just a few words. Verse uh, 4. Listen to the verbiage here. This is a passion that God has for you and me. For it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with Jesus, the anointed one so that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace. For the same love he has for his beloved one, Jesus, he has for us. And this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. Since we're now joined to Christ, we have been given the treasures of redemption by his blood, the total cancellation of our sins, all because of the cascading riches of his grace. This superabundant grace is, is already powerfully working in us, releasing within us all forms of wisdom and practical understanding. And through the revelation of the anointed one, he unveiled his secret desires to us, the hidden mystery of his long-range plan, which he was delighted to implement from the very beginning of time. And because of God's unfailing purpose, this detailed plan will reign supreme through every period of time until the fulfillment of all the ages finally reaches its climax when God makes all things new in all of heaven and earth through Jesus Christ. Through our union with Christ, we too have been claimed by God as his own inheritance. Before we were ever born, he began or he gave us our destiny that we would fulfill the plan of God who always accomplishes every purpose and plan in his heart. 
God's purpose was that we Jews, who were the first to long for the Messianic hope, would be the first to believe in the Anointed One and bring great praise and glory to God. And because of Him, when you, are, you who are not Jews heard the revelation of truth, you believed in the wonderful news of salvation. And now you've been stamped with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. Did you catch the word cascading riches of His grace a couple of times? Do you know what I think about when you talk about the cascading riches of God's grace? I think about Niagara Falls. Do you get to get that picture? Can, you, can you, you picture that because it looks so powerful? And here those waterfalls are coming, cascading down. And here we think about in this real the love affair that God has with us, with his children, and how much he loves us, how much he just adores us. How much even before we were born in eternity past, He's already set out our destiny. How about that? Is that good? But those cascading, the love of God. God loves you. And so often the devil hits us and says, you know what, you blew it for the last time. And you need to obviously get down and waller in the dirt. And God is saying, no, my, the cascading love of my grace is flowing over you right now. We come before him, confess that, and move on. That's how much Jesus loves you and me, way beyond. And they're trying to put down from the Greek and from, the, obviously, the Hebrew and in the Psalms there, exactly in speaking to you and to me. Let me tell you, if that doesn't stir your hope, if that doesn't stir in the question there is, what do you want? I want Jesus. I want him and his fullness dwelling within me. And I believe the, the Bible points to the fact that this thing, before it's over with, that people are going to walk in that and, and be more like him. I don't want to be like Jim. I want to be like Jesus. I want to I be changed into his image. Because everything that goes on in my life is bad sometimes and all the, the things, the pain and the suffering, all these things, let me tell you today, it's all being used to make us more like Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Because of his cascading love of his grace that flows over you and me. So if you think today you came in here by accident, I want to tell you, there's a divine appointment that y'all have met by coming in this place today. I'm not saying that because I, yeah, I'm the preacher. I'm not, nothing about that. I'm just saying something is stirring in your hearts today. Something is going on in each life in this church house today. Let me tell you, something so powerful that when it all comes together in the unity and the body of Christ the way God desires, let me tell you, it's going to be an explosion like the world has never seen before. Amen. It'll be a spiritual explosion because something's happening here in this church. Something's happening. Something's happening in my life. Something's going on, and it's good. It's great. You know, the reality here is that we read the Word, and every now and then God gives us a glimpse of exactly who He is and how wonderful that is when you get that little glimpse. Maybe it was you're sitting just reflecting on the Lord. Maybe you're going through some real tough stuff. And you're sitting there and you're crying out in desperation. Whatever way you may be, let me tell you, I believe God wants to reveal himself to us more than we ever want him to reveal ourselves, himself to us. I believe he, his desires for us are so great that I can't even put it in words. 
Now, that's great stuff. That's the good news of the gospel. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Just praise him. He's worthy. And when we praise him and, and all, you know, I just come and, you know, just sing. I'm singing. And, and, and I hear y'all singing. I love it. I'm sitting up front so I can hear you. I love to hear that. Jerry can hear you. Mary can hear you singing. I love that because that's flowing from your hearts. Back to a God whose love is cascading over this place today. His love is cascading like Niagara Falls and beyond. Niagara Falls is nothing to the cascading love of our God. Amen? He hadn't forgot about you. He hasn't removed his hand from you. He's not looking to hit you with a stick. He's not the big bully in the sky. He's God. And he loves us beyond any measure we would ever realize. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word, your truth, and thank you for your presence in this place. How great thou art. We sing it. We shout it. We praise you for, for all eternity. And dear God, thank you for that love that's cascading over us, your grace, your grace. We don't deserve it, Lord. We're getting what we don't deserve, grace and mercy. But dear God, you're pouring it out upon our lives. I pray every person here would experience you, oh God. They would experience your love. They would, some may, wherever they are, I pray you'd wrap your arms around each one in this church today. Hold us close. Help us to realize we have a relationship with a God who loves us beyond all measure. And just hold us close with your children. And help us to sit in your lap, Daddy God, and look up into your eyes. And Lord, and just a wonder and the love and the compassion and, and, and all of who you are that we'll be able to see, to see you who you really are. We just pray you release that Holy Spirit in this place this day. May we give you praise and give you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.